You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Broadcasting from a hidden rebel fortress long forgotten since the days of the Clone Wars, Commanders Michael Cohen, Matthew Krenke, and their daring crew lead a rebel cell dedicated to bringing you stories of adventure and excitement from across the galaxy. Join them for tales of heroes from the dawn of the Resistance stretching back to the Old Republic. Tales of Jedi and Sith, rebels and Imperials, technological terrors, and fantastic creatures. Legends so great, you won't believe them. But it's true. All of it. So what are you waiting for? Strap in and get ready to make the jump with Rebel Cells, the Star Wars animation podcast. Hello and welcome back to Rebel Cells for our Forces of Destiny podcast. I'm your host, Cassie Scutch. Today we're going to be talking about Season 1, Episode 5 of Forces of Destiny entitled Beasts of Echo Base. Uh, Today we have a little bit of news all regarding Solo Star Wars Story because it comes out on digital September 14th, which is Friday, but it will be out before this comes out so it's already out on digital and it will be out blu-ray dvd and on demand on september 25th as i said in the last episode very excited about that get really excited to get to see it again show it to my family um but in news for solo we have some released pictures of maul which was very interesting Obviously, we have not seen Maul in a live-action film in 20 years. We've seen him in the animated shows, as I'm guessing all of you all know. But it was very cool to see him again live-action-wise, complete with his metal legs. We haven't obviously seen him in 20 years, and we have not gotten to see a Zabrak uh, aged more than what Maul was in the original movie, obviously, in in The Phantom Menace, because obviously, why do I, I always say obviously, I don't know why I always have to say obviously, I guess, whatever, um, (laughs) we have not seen a Zabrak older than what Maul was in live action, we have seen older, uh, Zabraks in The Clone Wars, however, and in Rebels, because, Maul was in Rebels, but we haven't gotten to see it live action. It was interesting to see that, especially because the time difference now from The Phantom Menace to uh, Solo is approximately as many years at, it's approximately as many years as it has been uh, between the two movies coming out. So the pictures of Maul are very accurate. with Ray Park's normal Earth human aging, uh, 
we see him how he would really be during this timeline, uh, which I think is great. It, it's always interesting to see a character has mostly been in animated form, in a live action form, and Maul started off as a live action character, but we most of the content we've gotten for him has been in animated form. Seeing him back again in live action form is great. Um, I don't have to tell you guys this, but also getting to see him aged in a realistic way other than what we got to see in Rebels was also great. Animation, as much as I love it, as much as we all love it, uh, is not always realistic when it comes to those types of things. And getting to see Ray Park's mall again was super great. Again, don't have to tell you guys this, but we only got him for about 30 seconds at the most at the end of Solo. So getting to see a little bit more of him was fantastic, especially in color and not in hologram form. Again, in Solo news, we have a couple of deleted scenes. I only really tuned into two of them. Um, I'm sure there are more out there, but I only saw two. So our first one um, is Han flying, not really flying, falling uh, from the sky in a TIE fighter and then being submitted to trial with some upper Imperials. He is a cadet at the time of the crash and he was, this is where he's reassigned to the infantry and that's why we don't see him flying for the Empire during Solo. He obviously is not as good of a pilot as he makes himself out to be. Obviously, he, he doesn't, he's not as good of a pilot as he sees himself being at the beginning of Solo. I wish, I very much wish they had kept this scene in here. It wasn't that long and it gave us a little bit more of a backstory to what Han has been doing in the time while he was with the Empire and why he's not flying anymore. Of course, here in this scene, we have Han doing Han things, kind of talking back to his superiors, and we get a little bit more of his character within these scenes that plays in a little bit more into what happens during the rest of Solo. Um, we know he is not exactly happy with the Empire, um, and we see why now, because he's not flying anymore. He didn't really make it as a pilot there. Uh, we see what he was talking about within the trailer, um, saying I was uh, I was kicked out of the Flight Academy for having a mind of my own. You know, they uh, reassigned him to infantry because he disobeyed an order. Uh, I don't think they really got into what that order exactly was within the deleted scene. I would have to go back and watch it again uh, to really pay a little bit more attention to it. But that was one thing we got in the trailer that we did not get in the movie. And I think that comes a lot from Lord and Miller not working on it anymore. So we got, it was nice to get a little bit more of that Imperial Han backstory. Uh, I was a little confused watching the movie of why he was not flying, why we didn't get to see him flying with the Empire. And so it was, it was cool to get to see him in a TIE fighter. Uh, that's not something we've seen before from at least our original original trilogy characters. We've gotten obviously Imperials in the original trilogy who were in TIE fighters and we've gotten scenes from Rebels with our characters in TIE fighters, but we haven't gotten this 
uh, we haven't gotten the hijacking of a TIE fighter. Well, I guess Han wasn't hijacking a TIE fighter. He was supposed to be there. But you get my point. Another, we had another interesting scene that they showed on the Star Wars show, uh, which was just, a, it was like a little, like, 15-second whatever scene. But it was Han and Chewie having this snowball fight, which I would put money on the fact that that was a Lord and Miller scene. Uh, just based on the fact that it seemed very impro improvised and it was kind of a little bit more funny. Uh, but I I also wish they'd left this in here because we're seeing Han and Chewie's relationship kind of blossoming and being created. Um, them kind of goofing off and being buddies. And that's something I like seeing. Obviously, we know that they are best friends, their buddies, by the time we get to the original trilogy, but we don't get a whole lot of their relationship growth throughout Solo, A Star Wars Story, and that's always something that I, I, I will always point out how we don't really get character growth throughout certain things, but then, you know, they pull it back, bring it into deleted scenes, bring it into Forces of Destiny, and we get a little bit more of that growth within those, um, but I don't know why. I obviously, yes, I do know why they cut this from the movie. It was very goofy. It, it didn't really fit with the scenes that it was supposed to be within the movie, but I appreciate them releasing this deleted scene because it, it does create that kind of sense of friendship and that they're just boys being boys. They're goofing off, whatever. So... We obviously, we had a lot going on with Solo this week. I'm not even covering all of it here. Um, one other thing in news, because I was I was looking through the Star Wars news and, and I couldn't really find much other than Solo. And I didn't know if I wanted to talk about this or not. But um, there was a lot of people talking about uh, Kevin Smith sending a letter to J.J. Abrams about his uh, favorite uh, Ray theory. Ray's parents theory um, and he was telling JJ that oh well Soka could be her mom that would be dope um, which for obvious reasons that sounds a little ridiculous and um, I don't exactly agree I think it would be great if they brought Ahsoka into this sequel trilogy especially now that we have the ending of Rebels being so open-ended, especially with Ahsoka and Sabine going off in the galaxy to do whatever it is that they are going to do. Um, obviously, we know they're going to go find Ezra, but we don't know how that could connect to the sequel trilogy, and I think we will find that out. But for obvious reasons, the whole idea that Ahsoka could be Rey's mother is ridiculous, unless there is some weird biological loophole that... Lucasfilm wants to go through, but I think that they know, uh, as well as me and many other fans do, that people will automatically rip that apart <laughs> and s not be happy about that. Um, I think Ahsoka could definitely be incorporated into the sequel trilogy in some way, um, and I think it's still possible that Rey's parents could have been Jedi. Um, one of the things I read about his fan theory was, well, maybe her parents were Jedi, but then kind of fell down a dark path, which, I mean, I, I still kind of subscribe to, but I think the time of guessing over Ray's parents is kind of over at this point, because I, I we've been told it's kind of a mute, mute point, 
um, and that it's not really something that we need to be, it's not as important to this story at all. But I do like, you know, celebrities saying, <laughs> bringing up Ahsoka and wanting her to be a part of things. Because, I mean, the, the, louder, the louder we can get about what we want, um, which is getting Ahsoka into a live-action uh, film or TV show. You know, we want that. We all want that. And I think the louder we are about it, the more likely it's going to happen. Obviously, that's what happened with Clone Wars. So, although I don't think he's right, I think the heart is still there. Um, but that is all we have for news. I know I go through news very fast. I talk very fast. And it's also... There's only me, so anything I have to think about, you know, it just comes straight out. I don't have, like, a buffer to uh, be in there speaking with me, uh, giving their thoughts and kind of trying to change my opinion. There's no discussion. It's just me talking at you, um, which, I mean, that's fine, too. I enjoy it. It's my, it's my time every week that I get to sit down and talk about Star Wars to an empty room. Um, but with that, I think we are going to get straight into the episode Beasts of Echo Base. After Chewbacca goes missing while digging corridors within Echo Base, Leia and R2-D2 are searching for him. They have searched everywhere and asked everyone in the base, but still cannot find him. However, just as Leia begins to lose hope, they hear Chewie's howl coming from inside one of the corridors. Lantern in hand, Leia leads R2 into the corridor where deep within they catch sight of their Wookiee friend. At first, it appears as if everything is alright, but as they take a closer look, Leia realizes that Chewie is in the clutches of a wampa. Just as she makes this realization, C-3PO cuts in on her wrist comlink. The noise seems to startle the wampa. Seeing Chewie's frightened look, Leia quickly shuts off the comlink. As the wampa begins to rise from his perch, he releases Chewie and runs over to join Leia and R2. Leia quickly comes up with a plan to escape the agitated beast. She orders Chewie and R2 to seal the passageway while she distracts the Wampa. As Leia lets the Wampa chase her as a distraction, R2 and Chewie quickly get to work on the door. As the Wampa corners Leia, her lantern goes out, leaving her in the dark. However, she manages to slide between the Wampa's legs and escape the passageway. As she escapes, Chewie and R2 complete the installation of the door and shut it just before the Wampa can escape. Chewie gives Leia a hug of appreciation and the trio celebrates that Leia's plan to contain the beast was successful. So on Wikipedia, it states that Beasts of Echo Base takes place before The Empire Strikes Back. Uh, however, upon further inspection, um, I found that it actually takes place after uh, Luke gets back and Leia has her argument with Han over him leaving to go repack repay his debts to um, Jabba. There is a deleted scene from The Empire Strikes Back um, where Wampas are actually invading Echo Base and I believe that this scene takes place just about right after uh, Leia gets in her spat with Han um, because during that spat in the deleted scenes is when the Wampas are starting to enter the base. Within that scene, uh, we see that C-3PO has put kind of a warning do not enter sign on the door that presumably is the same door that leads to the cavern where Leia, Chewie, and R2 leave, uh, the Wampa after 
this episode of Forces of Destiny. Um, can't really be confirmed, but I'm guessing uh, that that is it. Um, especially because the, the Wampa scenes have been canonized. And I'd imagine since they were just trying to contain the Wampa here in this episode of uh, Forces of Destiny that they contained him there and they just said, hey, don't go into this room. Um, during the scene, the Imperials, maybe not this scene, but dur- during these uh, bits of deleted scenes, uh, we also get the Imperials storming the base. But the Wampas actually help kind of fight them off. Um, and C-3PO rips the warning sign off of the door so that they open it up and there's a wampa probably this wampa sitting right inside ready to attack the imperials um and i again we love force the destiny but this episode acted as a deleted scene that connected to another deleted scene which i love um obviously it's not it's not going to be as Um, noticeable to normal fans, people who are watching Forces of Destiny either as a child or a Star Wars fan who have not kind of tuned into these deleted scenes, but those of us who have, it's really, really cool to... It's such such a niche thing for them to have done is to have a Forces of Destiny episode that directly correlates to a deleted scene. Um, And it didn't... It acted like a deleted scene but it adds even more into Empire without adding as much to the canon. Um, so we get we get so much more added in here from this episode, even if it's not it's not adding directly uh, as it would. But we now know for that deleted scene how that Wampa get in there got in there, and more onto what was happening with that. Just. Again, it makes me happy when we get to add these little bits to the to our web and this added even more and it again it did didn't have to do with the with Empire directly, but that to me makes it even better because um, there's a little bit more of a deep dive into uh, where this is connecting because every episode obviously connects just a little bit. I thought it was interesting to see Chewie scared. Um, and a lot of the things I've seen online about this episode is, uh, well, that's kind of killing Chewie's character to let him be, uh, scared, but I believe that we've had instances where Chewie is being a little bit of a scaredy cat, but Chewie's obviously this big, strong dude, and he, he isn't, he's pretty much able to fight whoever he needs to, whenever he needs to, um, he fought the other big Wookiee, oh, I don't remember his name, it was Black something, um, and he fought during, was it the Star Wars comic or the Afro comic? It was one of the two. See, those are the two I, I read. Um, <laughs> oh, and the Poe comic. Not, Chewie wasn't the Poe comic, I read the Poe comic. Anyway, unimportant. Um, but, so obviously, Chewie's not that afraid of much, so it was a little weird to see him afraid of something here, but I get it, because the Wampa is so much bigger than he is, and it's not a creature that he is, uh, very much used to. He's not used to being around, 
Um, these wampas, he's able to fight a Wookiee better because he understands the Wookiees. He is a Wookiee. And, but it was, he was kind of put down here uh, as with his, um, heroicness for this episode to really bring Leia up to a higher level when she goes in and automatically, you know, saves the day. And I'm, I'm, and I'm always pretty, uh, strong on, oh, well, it's great that, the girl is fighting and doing something that the guy couldn't do and that would have been fine if it maybe was a different male character other than Chewie but um I think here they kind of they kind of overshot that Leia being heroic theme just because it was Chewie uh, I think Chewie could not have done it on his own he could not have taken on the Wampa by himself but he definitely could have helped and if he couldn't do it, I don't know why Leia could do it by herself. Um, she's, what, 120 pounds? Chewie's, what? I don't know. I'd have to look it up. He's probably up 250, upwards of 250. But mo most of the things here I can kind of believe. But this this one was a little bit uh, unbelievable to me. Let me look. Okay, yes, I just looked it up. I was right, Chewie is just about 250 pounds, um, 112 kilograms, so a um, little bit, little bit questionable there, but um, I'm always there for the moment of the girl taking over. Uh, I love that. I'm a girl myself. I don't know if you can tell. I think that's kind of the point of me being here anyway, but... <laughs> it was just whatever but obviously I know this is for little girls and if they can see that if they can see um, her taking over when Chewie could not that is something great and obviously she had backup here not exactly like they helped but they were there um, which Chewie did not have in the first place and he's frightened he's just been held like a teddy bear by a wampa for who knows how long so you know that's whatever Leia obviously she came up with sort of a plan sort of not a plan it wasn't whatever um the idea of just trapping it in there uh putting band-aid on the issue but obviously they locked the door they put a sign on it they were like hey don't go in here so that's all she really could do that's all they really could do and i'm sure they had planned on doing something later on maybe when they had other uh forces in order able to help um, rid their wampa problem, but as I understand, um, they were stormed by Imperials pretty much maybe an hour, maybe an hour to 12 hours at the most after this took place. Very, very short time span. So that's kind of whatever. Our droids are obviously in here a little bit. We have C-3PO causing trouble again. He's always causing trouble with his mouth. Uh, anytime he would speak when they were, whenever droids speak, obviously droids speaking, whatever, C-3PO obviously speaks, but they always seem to speak at the wrong time. Um, and this is something I've just always noticed throughout Star Wars, especially when they're trying to sneak around. Uh, droids kind of only have one volume, and that is pretty loud. And he obviously cuts in at the wrong moment here, but how was he supposed to know? But we always have C-3PO kind of doing that, talking when he's not supposed to. For a protocol droid, he's kind of very awkward um, and doesn't really know how to read a situation that that doesn't have anything to do with this here he didn't know what was going on uh at the time 
but uh, I was laughing to myself because this is a, it, it, no validity to this statement at all, but we always hear about Darth Jar Jar, and I started laughing. I was like, what about Darth C-3PO? He causes a lot of problems with his mouth sometimes um, and doesn't really know what to say all the time, but I don't know. I There's nothing else that really could have happened had he not spoken. Chewie was still going to have to get up some way. They might have been able to do it a little slower, not woken the wampa up as much as they did. They could have shot it in the head or something, uh, tranquilized it. The only purpose it really served was a catalyst to waking this, the, the wampa up. That wouldn't have been our main character's fault. Uh, we also had R2, which who didn't serve any purpose other than to close the door and kind of be there. Um, but R2's always to the rescue. R2 always gets our characters through. He always solves our problem. And when Chewie could not close the door, um, R2 was there and he could close the door as he usually can. That's kind of his job. It made me laugh a little bit here with Leia uh, jumping out of the door because it kind of, it was supposed, it was, it was, I think in her head, uh, it was going to be this moment where she jumped out the door and the door closed behind her, but they just had to build this door. They just built it. We watched them build it. Um, so it was obviously not ready to close and the button was not connected and R2 had to close it manually, which he did, as I just said. But the unpreparedness here uh, kind of reinstates what Chewie was going to do. He was going to go create more corridors, make the base a little bit larger in order to uh, grow it, which is sad because maybe 12 hours after this, less than that, three, three to six hours after this at most, uh, the Imperials stormed it and uh, everybody had to evacuate. Uh, we all know this, but the door not closing there was kind of funny to me. <laughs> um, it was really interesting and I like, I like R2's ability to close it even though Chewbacca couldn't. I don't, it was this moment that was supposed to be kind of triumphant and then it wasn't. Um, and it, it, it added a little bit more of a pause and it, it added a little bit more of like suspension and oh shoot, the Wampus gonna get out. But obviously they get the door closed, they get the sign on the door, everything's fine for a couple more hours. And then um, we gotta go bye-bye. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, after they uh, after they get the door closed, they seal the wampa in. They have this moment where they're all friends and they're hugging. And uh, if we're keeping with the deleted scene kind of theme here, we also have where Leia was fighting with Luke about him leaving for Dagobah. And so I think that's part of why she was like looking for Chewbacca is because she's just learned that Han's leaving and she's just learned that Luke's leaving and she either wants to say goodbye to Chewie or she just wants to talk to him because uh, he's part of her friend. Uh, her fr she, he is one of her friends. He's part of her friend group and everybody else is leaving. So it's kind of a moment where they get to kind of be with each other and, and he gets to kind of say thank you for helping me. And even though it wasn't more of a teamwork thing, I guess we could kind of say that a theme here was helping your friends out. But I think that's um, a part of Forces of Destiny as a whole. And it was heartwarming and it was nice to see. Um, I like this episode. As I said, there's not much of a theme here. It, it doesn't really follow as much 
with uh, a lot of the forces of destiny um, having kind of like having a theme and a message throughout each episode but I do like how we got kind of a different section of forces of destiny which is that connective tissue uh, in here so I think it's it's a bit of a give and take you either get the connection or you get the or you get the um, you get the connection or you get the, the message and the best episodes are the ones that get both there, there's only a couple of those, and I'm happy with both of them. As a young girl, um, I'm, I love the ones with the messages because I can definitely see myself ten years ago seeing that and appreciating that, watching that, and growing with that, uh, seeing these characters go through these things and finding their way around it uh, in a world fashion. Star Wars fan, the older person that I am now, not too old, um, but then I can see the more connective episodes that have to do with the plot, and those make me happy just as much because I'm getting our Star Wars content, our great, fantastic Star Wars content that adds everything together and creates this beautiful web that we know now won't be won't be finished for for a very very long time uh we have so many movies and shows and things coming out it's so exciting uh we get so much to talk about um i'm excited to get to talk about that here with you guys and again it's just so great i i love forces of destiny i love everything that lucasfilm is doing right now uh it's great. Um, this episode was not was not one of the better episodes of Forces of Destiny, but it still had stuff to talk about. It still had stuff that was interesting and things to connect to other things, and and it was a great piece of Star Wars and a great thing that kind of added into Star Wars, and I love that. And I appreciate getting to talk about uh, all of this here with you guys, getting to kind of vent my thoughts of. Uh, with Star Wars on here. Um, I appreciate it so much. Uh, it means the world to me. This is my favorite time of the week is when I get to sit down and record these podcasts and get to get in here and talk about Star Wars in a way that I feel like I can share my thoughts with people who also share the same kind of mindset as me. And I appreciate that so much. Um, obviously I know I'm still getting used to this whole podcasting thing. I think I've very much improved from the first episode. Um, if you ever want to kind of let me know, uh, things I could be doing better, things you like, please don't be afraid to hit me up on Twitter. I'll give you my Twitter here in a second when I sign off, which I'm getting ready to do right now because I think we are just about done with this episode. So thank you so much for listening. And as always, you can stay up to date with all the latest in Star Wars animation news by heading to rebelcells.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash rebelspodcast and on Twitter at rebelspodcast. You can also follow me on Twitter at Cassie Sketch, that's C-A-S-S-I-E-S-C-U-T-C-H. And of course, we're part of the Thunderquack Network. Head to thunderquack.com to check out all the other podcasts in the network. And if you'd like to support us, you can do that in one of two ways. First, by heading to store.thunderquack.com to pick up some merch, or by heading to patreon.com thunderquack and pledging your support. Your monthly pledge gives you access to cool exclusives like the Thunderquack Podcast and the Thunderquack Group on Facebook. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. I really appreciate just having this opportunity here. Um, and again, if you ever want to 
get in contact with me, you just heard my Twitter, Cassie Scutch, um, and just all of that. So if you ever want to tweet at me, feel free. Tell me what I'm doing good. Tell me what I can improve on. Uh, that's part of why I'm doing this. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, we'll be back next week with The Imposter Inside.